Welcome to Hispanic Marketing and Public Relations, HispanicMPR.com. This is Elena DelVal, and my guest today is Jose Carrera, who is owner of Ocho Placas, a tattoo company. Today we will discuss the tattoo parlor business and targeting Latino customers. Jose refuses to think inside the proverbial box. Unwilling to categorize his tattoo style and art by genre or theme, the Miami native has built a team of eclectic and innovative tattoo artists at Ocho Placas. He learned to tattoo in 1993 when his misdemeanors escalated into imprisonment. It was in jail that he inked for the first time, using a Bic lighter to channel negative energy into a creative outlet. Released in 1997, Jose worked at a handful of South Florida tattoo shops. His entrepreneurial spirit ultimately came to fruition in 2002 with the conception of Ocho Placas. These days, Jose's leadership role is clear in his 8th Street parlor. He's mentored many of the artists that he currently employs. In 2007, the once underground shop was named Best Tattoo Parlor by the Miami New Times. And most recently, Jose partnered with Creepy Jaskin to launch the Creepy Tiki Tattoo Lounge in Fort Lauderdale. He enjoys tattooing the friendly neighbor as much as he does traveling to conventions and inking overseas. Born to Cuban and Ecuadorian parents in 1971, Jose has branched into painting oil on canvas, graffiti, and t-shirt design. Jose, welcome. So let's start at the beginning. I think this is a topic that that a lot of people are curious about, but maybe a little afraid to ask and don't know where to start. So why don't we just talk about the concept of a tattoo, first of all. What exactly is a tattoo? I think I know. I think a lot of our listeners think they know. But would you tell us what is a tattoo? A tattoo is... Uh some people think of it as decoration. Some people think of it as like a like a recorded piece of time on their skin, permanently attached to their skin. So um, it could be anything. Anything that you design on your skin would be a tattoo. Anything that you design that has a, a certain amount of permanence to it? Yeah, they're, well, nowadays they're not so permanent. I mean... You could get lasered off, but that is, uh, I think a lot of people intend to keep their tattoos, you know, as long as they live, unless they really, really want to take it off. And how, how does a tattoo become a part of your skin? Would you tell us a little bit about that? How do you, how do you mean, like, um... How do you do it? Oh, to apply a tattoo? Yes. Okay, uh, it's basically we're pushing ink under your skin a couple layers down and we do that by the movement of a needle which is uh, basically piercing your skin, pushing the ink under your tattoo heels and there you go. I mean, it sounds simple but it's, you know, it's the way you move your hand, the way you apply it, and, you know, you can take it from there. And you learned about tattoos and you started tattooing yourself when you were in jail. Would you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I was, uh, I guess I was interested in tattooing, I guess around, since I was uh, about five years old. But I, you know, you don't know where to start or where to look for that type of information or how to even get into it, especially back then. That was 
it was rare to see people with too many tattoos. So, uh, you know, life's little cycle. I ended up uh, in jail. I had a lot of time on my hands, you know, just waiting around for a trial or to see what was going to happen with my life. And uh, somebody showed me how to make a tattoo machine. So I modified it a little bit with uh, the lighter. I felt it had a better grip. And, you know, put things together and just started tattooing. Can't say it was the best tattoos, but it definitely, that was the very beginning. What did that teach you? I understand that there are some lessons and that you developed a discipline and a vision as a result of the tattoo inking process. Would you tell us about that? Uh, What do you mean? Did you say discipline? Yes, that learning how to tattoo in jail brought you eventually to the business that you have now. How did that happen? What what, what made me realize that it was definitely something special, it was uh, the fact that it, it was whatever was in my head, whatever request somebody other than me had, you know, as far as a particular design or a message they want to get through, they allowed me to, you know, design it for them and permanently install it onto their skin. I mean, you know, you, it's, it's, that was the beginning of the learning process right there. But why open your out. own shop? You could have just stayed working at someone else's shop, so there was more to it than just tattooing, right? Yeah, well, actually, I developed the patience for learning, I, you know, uh, like anything, you don't really know what you're getting into until you get into it, and then that's where your learning process starts, I guess. And then you're you either stick with it or you don't stick with it. Um, I didn't know it was going to be such a great career or, you know, such a fun career. I just thought it was like a regular little job. Uh, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think I was going to take it so serious or not so serious. I just knew that's what I wanted to do. It evolved into what it evolved into. I think, uh, I think you never stop learning. You're always trying to make, you know, your the quality of your work better, more efficient. You know, try to try to give the customer what they want at the same time, you know, do what you want to do or, you know, compromise, work together. Why do people get tattoos? I, I understand that in jail, of course, a lot of the tattoos have to do with your role in the jail system or your status, right? And there 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 was a couple I can't you know, I can't like you definitely It's hard to say why one particular reason or another. Like I always say, there's always a good reason to get a tattoo, and there's always a bad reason to get a tattoo. So it's it's the same rule applies whether you're in jail or out. It's it's what you you know everybody's just I feel everybody's just waiting for their opportunity to permanently put something on their skin, whether they just think it's something cool or whether they think it's you know something very personal to them. Whatever the message. It's, whatever the message they try to give me, I try to translate, it's, it's always their message. Some people just want a cool design. But a lot of people definitely put some thought behind it. Why do you think seeing people come to your shop on a regular basis, why do you think that people are eager 
to mark their skin with ink for the rest of their lives, what is it that drives them? I'm not sure. I, th I think it has a lot to do with, you know, what's, uh, I guess, trendy, I suppose. What's in style, what might not be in style. Somebody might want to stand out a little bit or maybe just keep it to themselves. I think they come here because I, I think they have that, that freedom to, to really, you know, let us pick their brains and and really, you know, put something together for them that, that they feel or that we feel. You know that we could work on. What kind of customers do you have? Would you tell us a little bit about them? Uh, I think I, I think I like to call them locals. I don't I don't know how else to put it. Um, you get all walks of life coming through. You might get some some really professional executive person or something. Uh, you might get some blue collar person. You might get some teenager coming with their parents. The parents might get tattooed. You know, housewives, moms, dads, grandparents. It's hard to say what kind of person, you know. It's, I, I just think, think of them as collectors. They want something from us that we could put together. You know, whatever special request it is, you know, we try to work with everything. You've mentioned a pretty broad group of people, everything from grandmothers to teenagers. Is there a group that comes in more often or that gets more tattoos? I think in, from my point of view, I think it's, I think everybody's into it. I think we've reached to that point where there's an older generation that I guess when tattoos became more popular, they started to get them. And I think with the time that has passed, there's been about maybe four or five generations after them that have, you know, that, uh, I guess have been exposed to tattoos since they're, I guess, younger. So that develops already, I guess, a, how would you say costumbre? They're, they become accustomed to seeing them. So it's not like it's such a big shock or big deal when you see somebody with a tattoo below their elbows anymore. So I think that kind of, you know, just keeping an eye out on what's out there, you know, who's walking by with or without a tattoo. Just nowadays there's so much, so many tattoos to look at. It's just, it's, you know, I, I don't feel it's such a big deal anymore to get tattooed below your elbows or something. Yeah. So the shock value is gone a little bit. I think so. I think now that for as far as shock value, people are tattooing their faces. And you know, put, driving it in a different direction as far as like what spots they're getting tattooed. Some people want to see tattoos, some people don't. Some people want to expose their tattoos constantly, and some people want to be more private with it. But like, like I said, it's it's anybody. It's, I call them locals because if they find their way over here, you know, they know about us or or their local tattoo shop. Now over here is on Calle Ocho, which is a very ethnic part of the city of Miami. Does that mean that you have a predominantly Hispanic customer base or is that just a place that you liked? Why, why did you pick that area? Uh, it's, it's, I picked this area because I'm very familiar with it. I grew up, I guess this would be the central part of where I grew up from here. I could go north or south, east or west and they'll be very familiar with the with the 
area, the people around, the customs around here. You know, I tried to find a, I tried to find a spot that I was very comfortable with. As far as like, well, you know, um, the kind of living I'm used to, people I'm used to dealing with, people I could get along with, people I can understand. I think, uh, if you're looking for a location, definitely get into a location that, uh, that you're definitely familiar with. Like, I, I, I guess it has something to do with your background. Does your location play a role in your customer base? Are most of your customers local Spanish speakers or Hispanic? Yeah, most of my customers are Spanish speaking. Bilingual, I guess. Well, I guess, I guess from like the Spanish side of the whole thing. What does Ocho Placas mean? Ocho Placas is a, it's a word I, I guess I made up. I had, I got Ocho. I put that together because it's on 8th Street, so Ocho is 8 in Spanish. And Placas, I got from a movie where they referred to a tattoo as a Placa. So this was like some prison movie, some, uh, I guess one of those California prison movies. So I put Ocho and Blagas together basically translates to like 8th Street tattoos. Just, you know, just a little Spanish, little slang. How do your customers find you, Jose? Is, is it just that you've been in the neighborhood so long that everybody that wants a tattoo knows you're there? How, how do they find out about you? Um, so far, the best results I've had has been word of mouth. It takes a, it takes a while to, you know, you gotta develop your, your reputation and, you know, your skill. And as the years pass and progress, you know, one, every one client that, that you take care of that, you know, uh, that you satisfy will definitely bring you more. You definitely want your client to express more about the work that they got so that others could express it too. So I think it's, I think from my point of view, I've been taking care of attracting clients one client at a time. And that, you know, whatever the word is on the street, you got to concentrate on, on what the word might be on the street. And it just, it just multiplies. It just generates its own, I guess, leads. Just because, you know, you, you, it's such a personal thing. It's not like you're buying a pair of shoes, you know? You definitely want your client to, to express their feelings about what you're doing, and you definitely want to have a, an expression about what you're doing, too. You know, I think it's, it's, it's not a light thing to buy, like a shirt or, a sh you know, a pair of shoes. It's, a, it's a definitely a serious decision you're going to take, and you, you got to understand that as a tattoo artist. So you definitely want to make your customer feel very comfortable with you and you definitely want them to come back and refer more people. I think it's just one person at a time. You said a minute ago that you hope your customers come back and that they refer other people. Do many people have more than one tattoo? Yeah. There's a lot of people out there that, uh, like, again, I call them collectors. They might, you know, they might want to get a piece by everybody at one particular shop or 
you know, collect a piece from one person in this shop and then enjoy another piece from a person in another shop. It's, it's, the range is, it's so wide with uh, the clientele from, for any tattoo shop. You never know what to, what to expect. They might just enjoy your company and your work. You know, they might enjoy the way you're putting a station together or the way you're mixing colors or how you came up with this design. Or, or they just enjoy working with you. You know, getting their ideas down on paper or skin and just, you know, making it happen. Is it true that tattoos hurt when you put them on? Yeah. Uh, I think it has a lot to do with the tattoo artist that works on you. You know, what kind of understanding they have for the way their machines run or the way they're moving their hands. Also, the different types of skin. If it's, uh, you know, if it's that type of skin that just tears real easy, you know, the ink might go in effortlessly. Or if it's a really tough skin, you, know, you might have to turn up your machine a little bit and get it in there. I personally don't think a tattoo should hurt really bad. I think it's something bearable. I think if it hurts too, if, it's, if uh, your client's complaining a little bit too much about the pain, then you know maybe maybe ease up a little bit. You know, times times are different now. Back in the day, I guess you know. Tattoo artists were a little bit more, uh, what do you call it? Not that sensitive. They, you know, didn't, the bottom line was the tattoo's gonna hurt a lot, just shut up and get it done. So that was like, I guess the old way of thinking. Now you get a lot of people concerned about the pain, but at the same time very concerned about, you know, what kind of quality they're getting. So you gotta concentrate on both. Because it hurts, does that attract a particular type of customer? Do you get more men than women, for example, or more women than men? I think uh, I think there's more women coming in to get a tattoo. But I don't think it's... I mean, some people think that you have to earn a tattoo. So some people think that if it doesn't hurt, you didn't earn it. And then there's other people that just don't want to feel the pain at all. So, I mean, it's, I can't say, you know, your client wants to express this, you know, they come and get tattooed because it hurts or because it's a cool design. Um, it's hard to say. Sometimes the client just sits there and gets tattooed and you don't know what's going through their head. You gotta kind of check on them. But I think, I think the, I think one way or another, you still gotta earn it. Uh, that doesn't mean it has to hurt more or less. I just think once you get past that nervous part and the anxiety of finally uh, your tattoos on there, I think you've earned it. It's permanent. What kinds of subject matter do people pick? In other words, is it is it artist original art? Do they come into the shop with? a photo of something and say, I want this? Or do they look through a book of alternatives that you have? What is that process like? The tattoo process. I can say it varies. You know, you might you might get that client that just wants you to make something up for them because they want, uh, I guess, a painting type of tattoo. But then you get, you, get, you know, it doesn't get a lot of clients that are 
have a heartache about something, some strong feeling for, uh, you know, for a person or uh, an event that might have happened in their life, and they want to permanently, you know, remember it, mark it down, record it on their body. For example, we see a lot in the movies or in popular culture that somebody has the name of her boyfriend or his girlfriend or love interest tattooed on. Is that is that just lore or does that really happen in real does that happen in real life? As far as people uh, tattooing names? The names of a loved one, yes. Okay. Yeah, a lot of people a lot of people do that. Um a lot of people get their kids tattooed on them, well, the, the kids' names or maybe the footprint, uh, footprint from birth, or maybe even as far as like their portrait, you know. Um, maybe a newborn, they want to celebrate that for the name with, uh, with the birth date, or even, you know, a loss, a tragedy. They might want to remember them forever. I had one girl get, uh, her sister's name tattooed on her because she was afraid she was going to forget her name. So that was her issue at that moment, that she wanted to get her sister's name tattooed. Her sister passed away. It was a it was a real tragedy for her, I imagine, for anybody. But that's how she, you know, she really thought she was going to forget her sister's name. So she wanted it, and she wanted to see it every day, you know, from now on. Sometimes it's a good idea. Sometimes it's a bad idea. It might be your girlfriend or your boyfriend at the moment. And I can't tell you it's a bad idea at that moment. But, you know, you never know what happens in the future. So you might might need to cover up that name somewhere along the line if it bothers you that much. What kind of ink do you use? You talked about covering it up. Uh, but you also said that to remove a tattoo, you have to use a laser. Is it oil-based? Obviously, it's not water-based. I'm not real familiar with what they're made out of. I understand it has uh, glycerin in it. I The way I understand it is this ink is really powder, and uh, it pours out as liquid. But once it gets in your skin, your body rejects the liquid, and the powder stays in your skin. I couldn't tell you if it's uh, if it's oil based. Sometimes it might feel like it's oil based. Sometimes it doesn't. Now you talked about a machine, Jose. Mm-hmm. Is it a syringe that you're using? Is it connected to some sort of equipment? No. Um, it's basically it's a simple. How would you call it? Thomas Edison invented this coil-looking machine. Well, it's, a, it's an electric magnet. So once there's a charge going through it, it uh, magnetizes these two coils, which pulls an arm down, or it just it creates a repeated movement of up and down. And then that up and down movement pushes uh, a bar, which is which has a needle connected to it. It's just it's basically just up and down. Like if I guess let's just say you get a needle in your hand, the tip of your fingers, dip it in ink and just start to push it into the skin. That's basically it. It's just an up and down movement. But it's is it handheld or is it connected to yeah. a computer? 
No, it's a it's a handheld machine. Uh, these particular machines that I use are are handheld. You put a what you call a tube. You know, you set up your machine with your tube and your needle. It's, it's I guess you kind of I want to say like a like a pen that you dip in ink and you write with it, and as it runs out of ink, you dip again and keep going. So picture of uh, I guess a pen. And, but instead of having a ballpoint or some other type of tip, there's a, it's hollow, and then there's a needle going up and down through it. So basically, you got to refill your tip, you know, basically. Reload. What is the average size or size range of the tattoos? Are they, are they tiny? Are they really big? I've seen some people that have tattoo that covers their whole chest or their their the bottom part of their leg are those very common tell us a little bit about that please um i think it varies between shops you might you might have a shop that really does a lot of like small work you know uh just real tiny you know i guess uh smaller than your palm size tattoos you might, I mean, you get a lot of those, but then, you, you know, you have, I'm pretty sure every shop has either that that small range of, you know, small tattoos, and then you got your, your people that just want big stuff, they want to cover big uh, parts of their bodies, you know, the arms, their ribs, their thighs or something. The chest is a popular area to kind of just put what they call a chest piece, or it's just, it's, I can't say one is more than the other. Because, I mean, you're a tattoo, you know, you're a tattoo shop. You're open to the public. So you're basically a commercial artist translating whatever they want, big or small. You just got to be prepared for your next request. What kind of time commitment does somebody who wants a tattoo have to make? Is it? something that takes 15 minutes or does it take several hours do they have to go for several sessions how does that part work I think I think it's important to spend a lot of time on the on the idea of the of your tattoo if we if we need to spend a couple hours on the drawing itself even though the tattoo time might take 15 minutes I think it's important to get it right with the drawing, uh, the important part, yeah, the important part is, is the main idea of your tattoo. You know, I want to get the design or get you comfortable with what we've got as far as, like, do you understand what I'm drawing for you? And do you see, you have, you know, are you understanding this drawing? As long as they get it okay, we can move on to the next step. But sometimes the drawing process might be longer than the tattoo, depending on the, you know, I'm, like I said, the request, you just got to be ready for it. Sometimes you might draw a tattoo smaller than your palm. That might take eight hours to draw because it's maybe some type of abstract design and they're not real clear on how to describe it. So you got to just keep going, prick their brain till you know, till you get it right. Because once it's on your skin, you, know, you walk out with something that somebody else convinced you to get and you're not going to be happy with that. So I try to, I think the most important part is the time we spent before the tattoo. It may take hours. So before the tattoo is put
put on the skin, let's say, you draw it on paper? Usually, yes. Sometimes, you, you know, if it's something you're very familiar with drawing on the skin, then you, know, you could use that as an option too. And if they don't bring you something specific, then you work with your customer to draw out what they describe to you. Did I understand correctly? Yeah. If, if they, I mean, they could bring in reference or, you know, nowadays with everybody's online, you could Google some type of, uh, you know, image, picture, maybe a story of something, maybe, uh, I mean, well, anything. Information's all over the place on the Internet. And besides that, you know, you have your own personal books that you use as reference. You know, things you're interested in, maybe some, maybe something you're inter interested in reproducing or something. I mean, it's, it's new every day. Every day you gotta think of something new. Sometimes, I mean, you, you might work on a project where it takes more than one or two sessions to complete. You might work on somebody 40, 50 hours. You know, I mean, with the stretch of, I don't know, X amount of sessions. Or it might, or it might not be that way. It might take you a day to come up with a design and, you know, just tattoo for two hours. What's it's, the it's, price range, Jose? How, what is the most affordable tattoo? I'm sorry? Oh, what price is, range. Yes. Um, usually a shop has a minimum. Maybe, uh, $50 is an average minimum, and they go up from there, you know. Um, some people charge by the by the piece for that part of particular part of your body. Some people charge by the hour. I think the average for a tattoo now is about $200 an hour. What's the most that you've charged a customer for a tattoo? Oh, um... In one in one sitting, I worked for eleven hours at one fifty an hour. That was my longest. Like one what, days of work. What was the tattoo? Uh, it was uh like um it's like some weird uh, demon mask face that that's actually. A tattoo machine with his mouth open and then the tattoo shaft, you know, kind of snakes down the leg with, you know, these really big three-dimensional parts. It's just, uh, it's just my description of a, like a, like a, like a really, like, insane tattoo artist. Like he's out of control, so that's what he wanted. <laughs> it kind of looks like a monster, but like, I don't know. You can tell it's a tattoo machine if you're a tattoo artist. Can you tattoo any part of the body? Are there parts, I don't know, like your head that you can't tattoo? Or is any part of the body possible to do a tattoo on? I think you could tattoo any part of the body. I haven't really explored with too many exotic parts. Uh, meaning, you know, I guess uh, the private, you know, your... Is it genital area? Did I say that right? Yes. Uh, well, that, I mean, I haven't really worked on too many of those or faces. I haven't worked on too many faces. But I've seen, you know, I've seen people with tattoos. Uh, there's even people that um, add color to the white of their eyes. 
I've seen that on TV. I haven't seen it personally. I don't really deal with too many exotic parts. I like working on, you know, limbs, arms and legs, your back, your chest. You know, but I mean, once in a while you do get a special request. If if it doesn't bother you too much, then, you know, you take care of it. Is there is there something that you won't do in terms of just you think that it might not be the right thing for the person or you're not comfortable with the request if, if you had that come up? Yeah, well, I can't... I, I, get, I You know, you don't... You don't really recall those incidents. I, I recall one incident where there was a 14-year-old kid, uh, a boy that his mother didn't mind that he got tattooed uh, below his elbow. So, and, you know, we made sure that that's what she wanted. She's okay with it. Sometimes it's hard to say no when they have that much understanding, you know. But uh, there's, there's some people that just, they're requested to, you don't know if they're real serious about their request. So, to be on the safe side, I mean, if you're uncomfortable with something, don't do it. What happens if somebody comes in drunk and asks you for a tattoo? Do you wait until they sober up, or do you do it anyway? Uh, in my experience, in my earlier years, uh, I used to work on a shop on a beach, and there was a lot of drunk people. I mean, besides the fact that you bleed a lot getting a tattoo, it, it's really hard to uh, determine how drunk a person is. I've had a, there was a case uh, where I tattooed a name, on a girl's ankle, and it, apparently I thought that they were a couple. They both agreed they were going to, she was going to get this name, and she was okay with it. And once we were done with the tattoo, it's like she woke up and she was another person, you know. I couldn't tell if she was too drunk or not drunk enough, you know. I I couldn't tell. She wasn't real sloppy, but she wasn't aware that she was getting this guy's name on her. So for that reason, I'm, I recommend that you come very sober to the tattoo shop because you might end up with something you didn't really expect to get done. What kind of challenges have you seen? Is everybody as easy to tattoo? Are there places that are harder or more painful to tattoo? Is that something that you take into account? Yeah. The different body body locations are, I mean, it it varies quickly. Like you're, I could say it's more comfortable to tattoo an arm than it is to tattoo a rib. You know, your ribs or something like that. You definitely, or or under the jaw area, like the neck below, above the above your collarbone, that area is hard to tattoo. Um. Some people could tolerate it. Some people, you just can't find a position to put your hands to, you know, make this tattoo comfortable for you. So, I mean, it's, the range is so wide. <laughs> There's so many different little parts that every case, every case is, uh, every case is different. Jose, you've mentioned below the elbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of times. What does that mean, below the elbow or above the elbow? Is that some sort of a, a line that you draw? How is that relevant? Um, I say below the elbow because it's, it's one of the parts that 
than most people show most of the time. You know, usually somebody's arms are hanging out. You know, maybe a, at least in this town, you might be wearing a short sleeve or regular sleeves or something, just above your elbow. So, I mean, your arms are mostly exposed most of the time, unless you live on an island and you're in bikini all day. But at least over here, you know, once you go below the elbow, elbow you can't really take it back, <laughs> unless you laser it off. But, uh, you know, it's just such a commitment to go down that way. Some people don't care, but um, there's a lot of people that do care. So they kind of take their steps. They start out at the shoulders and work their way down. Once they get, you know, past their elbow, it's just, that's it. It's a, you know, it's more of an obvious tattoo once it's there. Maybe more of a commitment. Is that what it means? Below the elbow? Um, In terms of your clientele, you're based in a very predominantly Hispanic and Spanish-speaking area. Does that have any impact on your customer base requests? In other words, do they ask you for things that are very different from what you've seen in other shops or shops in other areas? Well, um, I guess in this particular area... uh the religions change because you have, you know, uh, different types of uh, Spanish customs in this area. So you might get, uh, you might do, uh, what do you call, let's say something religious like uh, the Virgen de Guadalupe. You might do something like that, which is, uh, I guess, a version of Virgin Mary. And then you might do something, uh, something that might look like a virgin. That's called La Virgen de Regla. So the Virgin of, I wouldn't know how to translate Regla. But it's two different types of, uh, you know, Spanish uh, customs or backgrounds or beliefs. That might be, you know, the religious part might be a little different here and there as far as like uh, what the request might be around here, but that's about it. Everybody generally, everybody kind of, generally stays on what's, um, might, what they might feel is a little trendy with a few uh, adjustments here and there, changes. Are the customers themselves different? Are they looking for you to give them a cafecito, a little coffee, uh, or maybe different kind of music? Is, is there anything special about working with or targeting a Hispanic, Spanish language dominant audience well what I what I try to do is just kind of put things I've you know uh, like I said you know I grew up in this town so I imagine everybody that grew up in this town at least my age kind of relate to the music I might listen to the food we might eat the the coffee just a little little thing that we do that anybody down here would do if you would go visit somebody's house, somebody's grandmother or aunt or even, you know, mom, dad, whoever, somebody might just whip up some coffee and just sit around and sip on it, you know, maybe have a conversation or play a game of dominoes. It could be anything. It's just, you know, it's just the way I grew up. The music I listen to here, I can't really say I'm more into rock or into merengue or salsa or, or what. It's just the ranges. It goes on, you know. I remember the 
listening to the radio in the 70s, you know, listening to maybe the birds or something, and then, you know, somewhere along the line, they they cut that off and put some sides on. So, that's what I have on my, uh, on my iPod, a bunch of stuff. You know, the collection of memories and music that I have from my life. And, you know, when people come in, they either relate to it or they haven't, they haven't heard that song for a long time, bringing back, you know, memories. You know, it's just like, you know, like if we were in high school, going to school and just hanging out after school, listening to some music. I mean, that's basically what it is. Now, in addition to this word of mouth and, and being known and, and working in the neighborhood that you grew up in, you also have incorporated some 21st century technology in your business development, right? You have a website. Yes. Um, and you have a public relations agency on hire that helps promote your company. Would you tell us a little bit about those strategies? Uh, well, uh, I don't want to start that. Can you repeat that? You're going beyond just relying on being in the neighborhood and knowing the community that your shop is in. You've also gone online and you've okay. also hired someone to help you promote your business. What prompted that and is that drawing a different audience? It's uh, definitely uh, de- developing a website. I mean, it's, it's information travels so fast nowadays that uh, you, you've got to be you know, you just got to keep up with the times. Um, I feel like there's a there's a whole generation of people that relied on the yellow pages, and I think their scale of the value of money is a little different than the people that are familiar with looking for information on online. So, I mean, I try to target both, but I think with the word travels a lot quicker online. So if you have something to display and, you know, kind of get the word out to people to check out your stuff, it's so much easier to just click on the screen and, you know, if you have to direct somebody, guide somebody through your website, you could do that and, you know, show them particular pictures. Um, the PR people, I kind of, I guess what I wanted to do with, uh, with the PR as far as regular advertising was you know, kind of develop a relationship with them so they could see what would be special about this place. Because my opinion about what's special here might be a little biased. So sometimes it's better to get an outside source to kind of see what you're doing and see if you are different or not different. What's what's so special about this place, I feel, is, like I say, the range. You know, I just want to be prepared for that, that that fine art that somebody might request or, you know, a traditional looking type of tattoo. So how do I get that out there? You know, using, trying to, trying to reach places that, that, uh, I don't think have been reached. I don't know if I, if I said that right. Um, I just don't want to like say advertise in a tattoo magazine. You know, that's so saturated with, uh, pictures of a bunch of tattoo artists. 
I want to target my community. And if you could, if you could reach me online, that's cool because we've had people come from different parts of the world to come get tattoos. My main concern, uh, for this type of business is definitely local. They, they, you're directly connected to them. So, uh, I try to target, you know, some, some media, some write-ups here and there, you know, uh, the different little angles as far as like, we, we just don't tattoo. I mean, we could tattoo you. That's our main thing. So we could add something to your tattoo. We could add some, uh, whatever we might have studied, you know, maybe some Rembrandt or something. Does the content that you offer online, is that available in English and Spanish? Or um, what do you have on your website? On my website, we decided to go with Spanglish, which is, you know, a mixture, a mixture of English and Spanish. Just, you know, um, just because of that's how we grew up. You know, our parents might have spoken to us in English and Spanish. And, you know, I just want to make it home for whoever decides to come in here. You know, and if it's somebody from, somebody that's not from here or around here comes in and, you know, I would want to, I would want them to check out the way we speak, the way, what we have to offer, our personality, whatever culture Miami has, if, if from my point of view. It's just, you know, the way people talk down here. Because, I mean, you know, when I go to other parts of the world or different states or something, you know, just the way they talk, they have something different to offer. Their language. So I, that's how I kind of see it. I want to stay as true as I can to, you know, my Miami roots. And Based on your experience and your customers that you know so sure. well, if someone was trying to connect with them, what would you suggest that they do? What three things would you suggest that they do? What I, what I try to do is just is get to the point that I could get started. So I'm trying to listen really well. I'm trying to put things together. Um, I guess the first thing I would say is be a good listener. Second thing I would say is try not to overimpose whatever your ideas, you know, whatever you artistically feel would look better or not better. You know, try and give the customers what they want. Learn how to say yes to whatever request they have. I'm pretty sure, you know, if, if you think about it a little bit, you could say yes almost every time. If you have to say no, I mean, no might be the selling point too. But uh, try and give them what they want. Thank you, Jose, for joining us today from Miami, Florida. And to our audience, thank you for listening to Jose Carrera, who is owner of Ocho Placas, a tattoo company, who discussed his business and targeting Latino customers. Please share your suggestions, questions, and ideas by leaving a comment on the HispanicNPR.com website. If you or someone you know would like to be on the show, you can email me directly at editor at hispanicmpr.com. That's editor at hispanicmpr.com.